0: Advent is a season of expectant waiting and celebration of God coming down to us in the person of Jesus in the form of man. In the midst of our hurt, sin, suffering, and brokenness, God came to us. This reality shapes and molds the Christmas season for us as followers of Jesus. Join us during our 9, 30, or 11 a.m. services to experience these amazing truths of Advent. And you can find more information about our church at www.NewHopeCapeCoral.com. Sunday, like today, the Sunday before Christmas, but we started weeks ago. In Advent, there are actually four Sundays, and each Sunday has a different theme, and we've been working through these themes of hope and love and joy, and today is Peace, And we're celebrating peace all day. And to do that, I brought a very special guest. (laughs) My awesome wife has uh, said yes to coming and being up here. She is very nervous, but I know she's going to do an awesome job. In fact, many of you may not even know this, but when we got married at the University of Florida go Gators... uh, we, uh, ...we headed off to seminary. God had already been calling us to the ministry and specifically the mission field... ...and God called us specifically to Golden Gate Seminary. That's one of our Southern Baptist seminaries all the way out in San Francisco. So we had plenty of time as we drove first to New Hampshire to see her family... ...and then all the way out to San Francisco. Plenty of time to talk and as we're driving out there... I said, well, babe, what are, what are you going to do while I'm in seminary? She said, I don't know. And I'm thinking to myself, get a job. Support me. But of course, and, and she said, I was kind of thinking, I was kind <clears> of <throat> thinking of going to seminary with you. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, who's going to make money? <laughs> but that was exactly what God wanted. So we took all of our classes together all three years. And I'm happy to say Chanel made straight A's all three years. I did not, <laughs> but she helped me and let me cheat—not cheat, not cheap, but study with study with her, whatever. And so, uh, so I'm very happy that she is here sharing. And the reason why I asked her specifically on this particular Sunday, because uh, we're talking about peace, and there's all kinds of peace in the Bible. We've talked about it here on Sunday mornings quite a bit, but specifically in the in the birth story of Christ, there's all kinds of peace all throughout. But there's very different points of view. Okay. I'm going to be focusing on the point of view of Joseph. Because remember, each week we have a different theme, of course. But also each week we, we focus on a different character in the story of Jesus' birth. So this week we're, we're focusing on Joseph and Mary. So Chanel will be talking from the point of view of Mary, or, or from a woman, or from a, a young mommy. And I'm going to be talking more from Joseph's point of view. And kind of give you guys two different points of view of peace. And before we do any of that, we need to talk about some real-time... Where peace hits the road, uh, it just got real kind of peace. Do we have uh, Essence's picture? Can we throw it up there, guys? Maybe not. That's fine. I thought you were Taylor and uh, son in law of BJ. Uh, he has been a tremendous part of the worship team and of this church since the very beginning. A great uh, brother in Christ, a great deacon. He's one of our deacons. Uh, there, there he is. Oh, there you go. He, And and the cool thing about this is, not only all those things, but just on Monday, he was able to finally adopt all of Shelley's kids. So now they are also, I mean, they always were his kids, but now officially, legally, they're all his kids. Well, yesterday he took a fall from a ladder, and he cracked his head really bad. So all night long, less than 24 hours, he has been at the very bottom, and now, praise God, he's coming back up. Uh, with bleeding on the brain and, and pressure and swelling, all the things that are associated with a fractured skull and all the stuff. You medical folks, you know kind of what's going on there. But the beautiful thing is I talked to Shelley on the phone this morning. She said, Dave, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I don't know how people that don't know Jesus do this. You know, we've been talking about joy. We've been talking about uh, hope. We've been talking even about peace I don't know how people would have the peace that we're feeling right now without Jesus. She said, I want you to tell the church this morning, real time, this just happened. Uh, you can't expect it. But when it happens, if you believe like we preach every Sunday, you will have that same peace. She said, keep the money of someone who's going through it right now. So these aren't just words and then the happy stories that we tell every year at Christmas because it's part of the church calendar. This is real stuff, y'all. And it's changing lives and it's strengthening uh, Eston right now. So keep praying for Eston and that he would come out of the hospital just as soon as possible. But for that peace to continue to wash over that family. In fact, let's pray right now. Father God, we thank you for Eston and his sweet, sweet spirit. God, his smile, his heart, his willingness to serve uh, sacrificially uh, at the drop of a hat. But God, right now we're praying for that peace that we talk about. But God, this is is real. Uh, In in Shelly's heart, in the the kids' hearts, in BJ's heart, the whole family, God. But even all of us. God, as we pray for, encourage, and hope nothing but the best for Eston, God, that it would go very quickly. We thank you for the doctor. We thank you for the nurses. We thank you for the hospital. We thank you for the care he is getting. But God, that peace that passes all understanding, God, that is a difference between life with Jesus... And life without. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to do life with you. Amen, amen. Well, let's talk about peace. We're going to talk about. In fact, let me read the scripture. We're going to kind of share this. Let me. Let me start. Sorry, ladies. It's normally ladies first, but I'm going to start first because. It was my idea. So, if you have a Bible, open up the book of Matthew. We'll be looking at different scriptures. Open up to the book of Matthew. Show up on the screen. Let me read Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. I'm going to read a little bit. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Uh Uh-huh. All right, let's just take this story, and very briefly, before I hand it off to Chanel, I want to pull out some ideas that help us understand, from Joseph's point of view, what this peace looks like. In fact, from finding your divine purpose. That's exactly what we want to talk about. There's, there's four ideas about peace that we want to pull out of the story, and this is the first one. There's a peace that comes from finding your divine purpose. First of all, look at this, those two little words that Joseph had in mind to do something. Now, what does that mean? There's a few different words in the New Testament, the Greek language, that that are often used about God deciding to do something. And God decided to do that. And God had in mind to do that. And and sometimes it's a very flexible thing. uh, As if the Bible wants to say, and God intended to do this, but because of the prayers of the people, or because the people turned their ways, or because something changed, he he withheld his wrath, or he withheld his decision, or he actually changed his mind. That happens. That's one word. This in mind is not that word. This is the other word. When God says, and God had in mind, or God decided, and that meant it is for today and tomorrow and forever. No ifs, no ands, no buts. It ain't changing. Now the writer of this gospel, and of course the Holy Spirit through that writer, chose this word for a very specific reason. Joseph had decided. It was no more discussion. There was no more debate. There was no more talking about it. From his standpoint, the way he saw the picture, there was no other way to do this. I have decided, this is what I'm going to do. We're not going to talk. We're not going to argue. We're not going to discuss it anymore. This is what I'm going to do. And he was on his way to... Respected and love the law. Let me find the exact verse. Faithful, and he was faithful to the law. So he was faithful to the law... A godly man, but he also was compassionate because he did not want to expose his wife to divorce or expose her publicly to divorce. So he's not only a godly, righteous man, he was also a compassionate man. Uh, A man that did things uprightly and correctly, but also a man with heart and with compassion. This is hard to find. (laughs) Mommies, this was the ideal son-in-law. He had everything. He was a full package we don't want to let this one go and yet he had in his mind to do that there was a dream son-in-law but when faced with the same decision you or I probably would have made the same choice as far as what we could see as far as what we knew about our faith about the Bible about what God teaches as far as what we even knew about our feelings our emotion there was really no other way to solve this problem but to do it exactly the way he did that's the problem when we only have a little bit of information when we are the most ignorant that's usually when we are the most rigid. You hear what I said? When we are the most ignorant about a situation, about a relationship, about some kind of major decision, when we have the least amount of information, that's usually when we are the most rigid. Now hold on, I'm, I'm talking about spiritual things, not politics. But that, what, what God is saying here is that God wants us to understand fully ...but he didn't have the f- be this way. There is no room for discussion. And that's a problem with us. We see that we are sick and maybe even in the hospital. There is no other way, humanly speaking, but that it leads to death. We're out of work. We have no job. We have no way to pay our bills. Logically speaking, humanly speaking, the way this world works is... ...there is no other way, but I'm going to go bankrupt and lose my house and lose everything. I come from a family where my father and my mother and my grandfather, they all come from broken marriages and and I'm struggling with my wife or with my husband and there is no other humanly speaking way around this than I will follow in their way and so I will also end my relationship in divorce. That's what it looks like when we look with human eyes. But here's the deal. We're not talking about human purpose. The Bible is talking about divine purpose and there's no way around that. So the next word is very important. It's the word considered. He says, and Joseph considered all these things. First, he made up his mind. He, he had the mind to do something. But next, it changed quickly the word consider. And the word consider is totally different. The word consider is not a fixed, made up, permanent, rigid decision. The word considered is a wrestling, a passionately debating Uh, uh, an arguing even, a yelling, screaming match with yourself or with your opponent. It is not at all resolved. It is still very much open for discussion. And that discussion is probably in his mind. God was still working on his heart. And because of that, the angel comes right at that minute. Now why did the angel come then? Why didn't the angel come before he had set his mind in rigidity to do it the way that everyone else around him would have done it? Why did the angel of the Lord, why did God himself wait until he was wrestling? Here's the deal. God ain't scared of you. God ain't scared of none of y'all. Your arguments, your screaming, your yelling, your whining, your doubts, your reasoning, your plans. He ain't scared of none of that. He wants that. As long as you are wrestling. In fact, you may remember the Old Testament word Israel ...means he who wrestles with God. That's the meaning of the word Israel. And that's the name he gave his people. God ain't scared. So wrestle with him. In that wrestling. In that struggling. In that striving for the true meaning. Why am I here? That's when the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And changed everything. God speaks to us. And look at the the very next thing quickly... As we read down, uh, he he wrestled with the with the with with the decision. The decision was changed, and as long as we are wrestling with him and giving him that opportunity, God will speak. Because the truth is, when we ever stop wrestling, when we ever stop debating, when we ever stop that door close, and we no longer are in a relationship dialogue with God, God becomes silent, and the answers that we long for are not there. Not until we open that door, even if it's in anger or frustration, not until we open that door is God able to speak. But when that did happen, the Bible says, and Joseph went and he did. Now if the word considered is a very passionate, emotional, red-faced, argumentative kind of word, this word he did is the exact opposite. In fact, in the entire New Testament is one of the most ...popular, most frequently used words in the entire New Testament... ...and for the, for the idea of to do something or to make something or complete something... ...it is by far the most common word. Nothing special. Nothing out of the ordinary. Nothing, nothing unique about this word. So what are we saying? If this was unique and unusual that he would wrestle with God... ...once that wrestling was over, once that decision was made... ...once he accepted God's divine purpose for life... The very next thing was the most normal thing you could do. He just did it. Wow. Wow. The wrestling's okay. The arguing's okay. The shaking our fist at God, even that is okay. But once we accept God's divine purpose for our lives, do it and not just do it. Uh, One final idea. At the very end, the Bible says that then Joseph went and he took Mary... Back in, in, in you, you know the rest of the story. That word took Mary is a very tender word. It doesn't mean grabbed her by the hand. It doesn't mean said, okay, I guess, I, I guess it's just you and me, kid. Let's go. You know, it wasn't like, well, I guess uh, there's nothing else I can do. God's in charge and I can't fight it anymore. I guess I'm stuck with her. It was nothing like that. It's a word, uh, guys, uh, you might have to think back a while. But do you remember the last time you took your wife's face in your hand? In fact, men... I'm going to give you some homework. I'm going to test you on it next Sunday. The last time you took your wife's face in your hand and you stared in her eyes and you didn't even have to say, I love you, just, just that act of holding her face in your hand and looking in her eyes, she knew that you loved her. And then maybe you gave her a kiss or maybe it wasn't even necessary. She knew. That's this word. He, he fully embraced. He fully accepted. He fully acknowledged. He, the two of them at that moment, that is when it clicked. That's when these two became one. At that moment, he took Mary. And the rest of the story is the story we know. There is a peace that comes only through finding and accepting your divine purpose. But Chanel, I know there's more peace from... Me.
1: ...with all our heart. And because I already worked out this morning, I'm not going to stand up and work <laughs> out like David does. I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> but in uh, Luke 1, verse 45, we see that Elizabeth says to Mary, Blessed is she who has believed that what he, the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And David, last week you talked about the word blessed... And the Hebrew word you said was shalom, which means peace. And it means like a total rest. I was really listening last week. It means being content to the fullness, the fullness of everything we can imagine, of all the peace that there is. So basically Elizabeth was saying to Mary that she will have that kind of peace because she believed. She believed what God told her. But it's so hard to believe in the middle of something difficult, isn't it? Something that we're going through that's really hard. We know that God has our best in mind and that he's always working things out for good. But wow, sometimes it just seems like it's so difficult. It doesn't seem like he's doing something for us. Like Mary must have felt. I mean, her words were, how can this be? How is this going to happen, Lord? There are so many reasons. But let me say that something so powerful happens when we trust God enough to not only hear what he is saying, but to believe it wholeheartedly. Believe is not just a thinking word. It's an action word. One way to think about it is believing in the institution of marriage versus actually being married. There's a big difference, right? Married people? I can believe that marriage is a great thing, but I really don't know what it's like until I'm married. And you can tell your girlfriend all day long, oh yeah, I believe in marriage, I believe in marriage, but if you don't actually marry her, she's never gonna trust that you do believe in marriage. So we can say we believe God loves us and he has our best in mind, But we don't actually have to believe, we we don't actually believe to the fullest until we have to act on something that's hard for us. So here's Mary. She's a believer, and she's challenged to a degree that many of us will never know. The reality of what the angel had told her could have devastating consequences for her. The child outside of marriage was punishable by death. She had no idea. I remember feeling that way when my son Christopher was born. I had no idea what the future would hold. He was born prematurely at a pound and a half, and the doctors told us that he would be severely disabled, never walk, never talk, and that was the good news, assuming he would live. Our parents asked us to come home, to be in a place where there's better medicine, than the former communist Germany where we were living at the time. But honestly, through it all, we had to believe that God knew what he was doing. God, you knew all of this was going to happen before we came here. You brought us here to this time and this place to make it our home. We need to trust you. So we chose to believe with all our hearts that he was doing a great thing, in spite of what we could see. Whatever God was doing was worth any trial that I was going to have to face. Now on the other side of it, more than 20 years later, I can say that I have complete and total peace. I am blessed because I believed in what I couldn't imagine could be worked out for good. And the good that has come out of this situation is overwhelming. New believers, a church-planted, Our faith made stronger, our children's faith made strong, and so much more. Blessed was in verse 45. But then when we continue to read at the end of verse 48, Mary proclaims herself that she will be blessed. She says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Before she was even showing a baby bump, she was claiming the amazing fact that because God is faithful... From then on, everyone will call her blessed, fully content, at complete peace. This is such a strong statement of trust because the task assigned to her would bring judgment and shame from almost everyone she knew. Who was going to believe that Mary was a virgin? From a human perspective, she could have thought, oh, from now on, everyone will think I'm a horrible person. Or from now on, everyone will say, I cheated on Joseph. Or that I'm crazy enough to make up stories about angels coming to me. She could have made all kinds of negative statements about what future generations would think of her. But she believed God so much that she predicted how amazing her future would be. Her bold faith allowed her to have peace. Mary focused on the blessing of being chosen by God for such an important purpose. She didn't dwell on the difficulty that she might face and resist her calling, even if it meant a lifetime of being misunderstood. Whatever God has you walking through right now, if it's unbelievably tough, don't let the potential obstacles or judgment from others or fear Of what the future is. Keep you from the peace that God wants you to have. Choose to believe God with your whole heart. And you'll experience that peace that comes from believing in his plan.
0: Excellent. Wow. Thank you, baby. Uh, There's also a peace that comes in obedience. A peace that comes from obedience. You remember that when I was jumping over to the book of Luke, Luke chapter ...2 verses 1 through 7. In fact, let me just read a couple of these verses... ...just to help you understand exactly what uh, Joseph was was thinking here. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree... ...that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register, verse 4... So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee... ...to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David... ...because he belonged to the house and the line of David. All right, here's the story. Everyone has to follow. So what does Joseph do? Does he raise his hand to the king? No. Does he uh, scuffle and and say, well, I'm not going to do it this time, maybe next time? No. Does he argue even at all? The Bible says this is a deal, this is a rule, this is a law, everyone's doing it. The very next verse, verse 4 is, so Joseph got up and he went. That is the kind of obedience that God is looking at. From that standpoint, from Joseph's standpoint, a point of obedience, that is where he found true peace. But what does that look like? Was that just fatalistic? Well, I can't So I might as well join it. Uh, I can't do anything against it. So I might as well come under it. I don't have any of my own authority. So I guess I just have to fall under someone else's authority. Is that what's happening here? Is this what God is calling us to do in our lives? Not at all. He had a choice. His choice was to put himself under that authority and his answer was yes. And that's where the peace comes from. It is a choice. It is not easy and it does not always make sense. But when we put ourselves under that authority and we allow God to rule, in this case it was the king, and we follow that mandate, then the peace will come. God called us to do that and that is what God is asking us to do, to find our yes no matter what comes. Now, there are some barriers to this. There are some big struggle with this more than others, certainly more than ladies. And that's why I think Joseph specifically struggled with that. And yet we find in him a role model that all of us, not just men, but ladies also can follow. But I think Mary also struggled with this a little bit herself. Chanel, do you remember the time when Mary struggled with the whole idea of, of, of coming under obedience?
1: Yes. She said, she asked, she said, how can this be? I mean, she asked the logistical questions, just like us. We usually question things that don't make sense to us. We want to know all the logistics of how it's going to happen before we can believe that it will happen. We focus on the practical. Like so often, David, you have told me a great idea of something that we should do, something that you have prayed about that God has confirmed to you will happen, something so big that it could only be from God. And my mind immediately goes to the practical things. (laughs) Right, you want to start a new church in a different town 30 minutes away. Well, how can that be? We don't live there. We don't know anybody there. Is it going to cost a lot more gas money? Our budget is so tight. Oh, oh, and and you want us to pay rent, too, on a building there for the church. Okay, and when will you have time to do this? Uh, You're so busy as it is. And... On and on and on the list goes.
0: That is exactly it. Humanly speaking, it is impossible. Humanly speaking, it is very much impossible to come under the authority of someone else and and to be obedient the way God is calling us to be because we are dependent on our own plans. We are dependent on our own options. We are dependent on our own limited vision of the situation. We are limited on our own experience in this kind of situation. Instead of simply releasing all of that... ...and saying yes. A stumbling block to saying yes. Another stumbling block to finding your yes... ...and being obedient to Christ is fear. Over and over and over again... ...in this one story alone we heard those words. Do not fear. Mary heard the words. Joseph heard the words. The shepherds heard the word. In fact, we've we've said this before... ...if you take the entire story of the Bible... ...this is the most... ...often given command in the entire Bible. Do not fear. Why? Because we're a bunch of whiny crybabies. We're scared to death. We say, oh, if only God would enter this situation. Oh, if only God would come now. Have you read these stories? Do you think when God shows up, there is suddenly a lack of fear... Almost always when God shows up, whether it's him himself or his voice or, or, or a terrible storm or in this case an angel, there is great fear. And that's the problem with you when we say, oh Lord, I I've I prayed about it. I just don't have a piece about uh, whatever, that new job. Or I just don't have a piece about uh, dating that young man or that young lady. Oh, I just don't have a piece about uh, that, taking over that ministry at church. Have you read the stories in the Bible Have you read about the guys and the gals that were given great responsibilities, great roles, great tasks from God? Do you think any of them felt a peace about crossing the Jordan with thousands and millions of Jews behind them? Do you think any of them felt a peace about jumping out of a boat and walking across the water in the middle of a storm? Do you think any of them had a peace about about going to a, a city that wanted to kill you and to tell them about Jesus, about God? Do you think any of them had a peace about any of the things God asked them to do? No. Here's the deal about peace. Peace doesn't come before. Peace comes after. The fear is normal. The fear is human. In fact, that's why God keeps saying not because he has a hang up with fear, but because he knows that you and I have a hang up without fear. And so he continually reminds us to not be afraid, to not be afraid. If, if God comes and shows up, it brings first fear because of what he asks us, whether it's Mary, whether it's Joseph, whether it's any of the stories in the Bible, when he asks us to do something, it is way bigger than we can ever do. And we don't have a peace about it is because we have not allowed perfection. We have to wait until all of the pieces are in place before we can have our peace. You know how it is. Whether you're a perfectionist or not, we're all kind of the same way. I'll have my peace as if peace is something way, way out there in the, in the distant future. And if I only get this in order and that in order and, and other people get this in order and other people get that in order and, and I have everything all organized just right and all my ducks in a row, whew, then I will have peace. I think for most of us that's on December 26th, somewhere around then. Folks, I got to tell you. I've lived through a lot of December 26 <laughs> and the peace doesn't automatically magically arrive on December 26. Peace is not something out there that we have to attain by getting everything in situations. Folks, here's the deal. If we're saying that people or a person or a situation or a place is what's preventing us from having peace, then we are also saying that that person or that situation, that place has to somehow change so that I can have peace. And that is not at all what the Bible is saying. The Bible is not at all saying that people must change, places must change, situations must change so that I can have peace. What God is saying is your obedience must change before you can have peace. Obedience comes from belief and once we believe that God is who he is, once he is not only ultimately good but he has our very best interest at heart once we believe that we can fall under his authority and be obedient once we are obedient that is when we experience his peace and not the other way around folks we've got to get rid of that thinking that if we if God will just magically bless us with peace then we'll be obedient then we'll believe all of God's promises then we'll do what he wants ...it's the exact opposite if you want to know God's true peace.
1: And I think that there's still one more way in the story... ...that we can see that um, peace comes to us... ...and that is from looking back. One of the most crazy things about life for me... ...is this thing called perspective. You know what I mean. A four-year-old says, my mommy can do anything. An eight-year-old says, my mom is so smart. A 12-year-old says... My mother doesn't really know that much. A 16-year-old says, mother, she's hopelessly old-fashioned. At 25 years of age, she says, well, she might know a little bit. At 35, we say, honey, before we decide, maybe we should ask mom's opinion. And at 65 years of age, we say, I wish I could talk it over with mom. It's a matter of perspective, right? Or even as teenagers, sometimes they were downright ungrateful and mean. And I would say, you need a new perspective. You need an attitude adjustment. So I would send them to their room and I would make them write a list of 50 things they were thankful for. They couldn't come out before they had all 50 written down. And uh, it took a long time sometimes. But it worked every time. They would come out of their room. They would hug me, say thank you for so many things and i could see that they were at peace their whole attitude had changed looking back at what they had to be thankful for totally changed their perspective one of my favorite verses in the christmas story is in luke 219 and there it says that mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart i picture her sitting back with this look of relax, a feeling of relaxed on her face observing and listening to the shepherds talking about her baby. The townspeople peeking in to see what was going on in the stable. Oh, people talking about a star and about angels and about a savior. I bet she's thinking back to the time when the angel told her about this very moment. Maybe thinking about, back about the fear that she had experienced. Back to about how Joseph... Thinking back on how much her perspective had now changed. I believe that thinking back on all of this and knowing that God had worked out all of the logistical nightmares that she had thought about 10 months ago had allowed her to have great peace in her heart. Another word for treasured in her heart is stored up. So Mary stored up all these things and pondered them. Well, we store up things for a reason. We stockpile up, For when we need something later on there comes a time when we need to turn to what we stored up to sustain us when we're in need when we experience seasons of seeing god's faithfulness we need to store up those that experience we need to save it for later when mary stood at the foot of the cross as her son was crucified she must have had to rehearse every memory that she had of God's faithfulness in her life so she could continue believing in the promise of Jesus' resurrection. In her worst time of pain, she had a collection of memories stored up to prove that God could do what he promised, and that gave her peace. In John sixteen thirty three, Jesus makes it clear because he has overcome the world. In the hardest moments of our lives, we need to remember all the ways that we've seen his goodness. When you experience God's faithfulness in your life, take a step back, store it up as a treasure in your heart. Think of it often. When your toughest days come, like Mary, you'll be able to endure with a peace that passes understanding. And that ...is the peace that comes from looking back.
0: Amen. Amen. There's one more idea we want to give you... ...as we think about this special Christmas season. It's the name that was given to Jesus... ...even in Old Testament days. They called him the Sar Shalom. The Prince of Peace. That is our theme today, peace. And this this title, Prince of Peace, is very important. And let me just... ...pick it apart for one moment so you understand what all that means... ...not only to the biblical idea, but also to you and me practically today. Uh, The word sar means prince. In the the biblical times, the Old Testament times... ...that word sar uh, or prince would be uh, a very specific role. The king, he would be in charge of everything. The king would have the vision. The king would have the ideas. The king would have the decrees. And whatever the king said went, prince... So if someone specifically called Jesus the prince, that was for a very specific reason because this title came from the Old Testament days, from Isaiah. So he's saying, and Jesus will be your prince of peace. And what did he mean by that? Well, if, if God, the king, is the one with the decrees, the ideas, the, 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 the goals, and the, and the plan, the prince is the one that's out among the people making the plans of God happen. He's the one rubbing shoulders. He's the one touching. He's the one with skin on. He's the one making sure the great plans of the almighty king are actually happening. The grassroots happening of the plans of the king. What is God saying? God's saying, I am sending my son as the grassroots ambassador. He is going to get his hands dirty. He himself is going to get dirty. In fact, so dirty, he is going to die. Making sure you understand how important peace is not only to me but also to you that we have peace with each other and God is saying I am giving God Jesus's title here's the deal folks as we wrap up our service more we're going to have a, a time of invitation just a moment here this is a simple invitation if you have this prince of peace this sar shalom in your life you will have peace If you do not have this Sar Shalom, this Prince of Peace in your life, you will not have peace. It is truth. You have Jesus, you have peace. You don't have Jesus, there is no peace. The question is this. Will you take Jesus? Let's pray. Thank you so much for listening this week to the New Hope Church podcast. If you live in and around Cape Coral, Florida, we would love to have you visit our church campus. If you would like some more information about us, we can be found at www.NewHopeCapeCoral.com.